BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Gigantic Pop number eight. And here we are once again. That's Matt Morgan's favorite song, that intro music. Look at him dancing to it. He can't help but get down when he hears it. And today, the three of us, Raj Giri, Matt Morgan, Glenn Rubenstein, are here to talk about Back to the Future, the greatest movie of all time, question mark, perhaps for our generation. Matt looks skeptical. Matt, what's a better movie than Back to the Future? You can't put me in a spot like that. Um, exactly, because there is none. There isn't any. It's one of my favorites, no question. It absolutely is, and it's something that is entrenched in every human being as we speak, the wish to go back in time, obviously. Yes. <laughs> in fact, I'm sure this comparison's been made, but I'm just saying, and now I've never said this before, I think for our generation, this is our generation's version of It's a Wonderful Life, the movie that everybody knows, everybody gets the references to. Glenn. What? Glenn. Glenn. What? Whoa, your horsey's there. I'm a huge fan and all, but it's your life. Really? It's, 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 it's a wonderful life. I think Back to the Future is is the Generation X version of It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life play, gets played every single Christmas have, for have, the last how many decades? Okay, well, Matt, have you turned on cable lately? Because there's a Back to the Future marathon every weekend on cable. It's true, but people don't associate it with a holiday. No, which is even better. Because it's one thing to be like, oh, it's a Christmas story. I need to watch right. it at Christmas. Because it plays more. Because yes. It plays more. But I Back to the Future, I mean, look, everybody knows it. Everybody gets the references of our generation. Like, it's it's the type of movie that you watch. It makes you feel good. Uh, you go through a range of emotions. Everybody has the same thing where it's like, oh, what would I go back in time and change? Because as you yeah. said, like, there's a human instinct with that. I think um, – Bit, but that, it, Biff had it, that Biff had it right with the sports almanac. Absolutely. He did. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the first thing I would do is take care of business. <laughs> it was pretty it, – it, I don't know how many times I'm watching a football game. I'm like, man, if I had that almanac, <laughs> it would have been perfect. Right. But Back to the Future, you know, when you're talking about greatest movies of all time, as far as, you know, combining 
comedy and action adventure and sci-fi and, and romance. There's not many movies that have done it better. I can't think of any, you know, a lot of the other great movies are like just a drama or just a comedy. Uh, but this just combines so many different elements seamlessly that it's, it's, I can rewatch it anytime, anytime it's on. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll sit with this for a little while. You know, what's weird. I remember as a kid um, being so looking forward to back to the future two coming out because it was like, Oh my God, they're making another one. This could be amazing. And then I remember watching it and I was like, okay, this future thing, this hoverboard's cool, but this future thing kind of, I don't know, man. But now, like, Back to the Future 2, everything else, where they go back to the original movie and stuff, I think is just so brilliant. Um, it's, I, I almost rotate which one I'm in the mood to watch the most. Because sometimes I want to watch part three. Part three was always the sleeper for me, yeah. where I was like, part three is all right. But now I like, the more time goes on, the more I like part three. So I like Western. So, so so three was cool for me, but like two, I thought two was awesome because of the little things they put in there to show that you were in the future, right? Like you said, the yeah. hoverboard, that's huge. Like every kid remembers that. And, and again, Biff doing what everybody on God's green earth would be doing. They had a chance to go back in time. I'm telling you, Biff is an undercover baby face in this. <laughs> I'm telling you for years, I didn't realize that was Biff in part three, but he was the, uh, the cowboy dude that was Michael J. Fox's nemesis. I, I didn't realize that was him because he he looked and sounded so completely different. That wasn't until years later that I, I realized that's it was Biff. He did. A, he had a big stash and everything, but you didn't know that was Biff, huh? No, not the not the first few times I saw it. Um, and and here we are. We're just a few days removed from Back to the Future Day, October twenty first, twenty fifteen. So we're in the future of where Back to the Future was, but. Uh, they got, you know, there were a lot of things that they got right in that movie. The Cubs. <laughs> Cubs win the World Series. Yeah, Cubs win the World Series. <laughs> that was laughable when that came out. For everybody that remembers, that was laughable. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, and Tom Wilson, I mean, we, we should we should talk about this a bit. But I think, uh, like, the more I see it, I think Tom Wilson, the job he does as Biff and Buford and even Griff, like – yeah, it's just he. I, and I've met the man twice before. Um, wow! At a corporate really? event, yeah, I went yeah, to the rewind, show. rewind, rewind, okay. rewind, rewind. Okay. Tell me about your. Tell us about your experience meeting him. Okay, so he was in a video game, as a lot of actors were in the early '90s. He was in Wing Commander Three, and it had Mark Hamill, Malcolm McDowell, and mm -hmm. Tom Wilson. So they had this party, and like, as far as video game parties go, like I've been at like a Sony party where Outcast played, and it was packed, or the Foo Fighters. Oh my played. god. Really? But this this was like a little party. There were like thirty people there, and we're just sitting there. Like you get to, everyone's talking to Mark Hamill, like yo, so Star Wars. This was like nineteen ninety two or ninety three. Um, and Malcolm McDowell is just you know British and crazy and doing his thing. But Tom Wilson like gets up and starts emceeing the event and telling jokes. He was just hanging out. And what was funny is I talked to him. Is I was like, you know. I was watching TV in the summer of 89 and there was a TV version of Turner and Hooch and you played the Tom Hanks role. And that was like the weirdest thing to me when I was a kid and he was like, Oh my God, you saw that. Remember that? I was like, yeah. And you know, I started listing off all these other things he'd done. He was just the nicest guy. Like, mm -hmm. because I think he has all these stories about other things that aren't back to the future, but that's why mm -hmm. he famously has the back to the future song because everybody wants to talk to him about back to the future so much. He wrote a song to answer everybody's questions. <laughs> But if you go up to him and you're like, hey, you were in Blood and Blood Out. What was that like? He'll just start telling you stories because he never gets a chance. That's pretty cool. That's cool. Really nice guy. Like one of the nicest comedians I've ever met. 
there are some actors that will own it. Like they're like, this is what I'm known for. This is what I'm going to get asked about. And I'm fine with it. And that I'll just keep talking about it all the time. And there, then there are some that, you know, get annoyed with it and want to yeah. talk about new projects or what they're working on next. And it sounds like he's, uh, he's cool with both. So that's, that's really cool. He is. And he goes to, he goes to different colleges and even acting schools where, where yeah. he talks to these young and up and coming actors or people that are in college that go to school specifically for, you know, uh, production and things like that, and even theater for that matter. Um, I've seen him on YouTube. And uh, again, like you said, Glenn, he's hilarious. He's super charismatic. He's charismatic as hell. And I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about this more in a little bit about how Eric Stoltz was originally yeah. supposed to be what? Marty. Yeah, there's <laughs> photos. They, they actually shot, I'm kind of obsessed with this. They shot 75% of the movie with Eric Stoltz as Marty. No way. They yeah. redid it all, yeah. Yeah, they look it up on YouTube. There's there's footage out there of it. In fact, I went on eBay, and I like because I've heard the story so many times. I'll I'll tell you about this. So originally, here's what it came down to when they were doing Back to the Future. They wanted Michael J. Fox. He was on Family Ties, and Meredith Baxter Burney was pregnant, so she missed like half a season. So they went to the creator of Family Ties and said, "We want Michael J. Fox for this. Here's the script." And they said, "I can't give him the script because if I give him the script, I'm going to tell him he can't do this and he's going to hate me." because we need him with Meredith Baxter Burney gone for half our season. So Universal's second and third choice were Eric Stoltz and C. Thomas Howell. Now, if C. Thomas Howell had been cast, Back to the Future would probably be a basic cable classic that everybody says like, oh yeah, yeah, I really like that movie. It's, it's kind of charming and weird, but you know, it was good, but it, it wouldn't have been the same. No. But, he was very, but he was very like B-level Michael J. Fox, mm -hmm. C. Thomas Howell. Yeah, Michael J. Fox. Everybody, everybody could associate with Michael J. Fox. Yes. We all grew up with him, like you said, as Alex B. Keaton mm -hmm. on Family Ties, but also Teen Wolf that came out after. Like he did so much stuff that we all thought he was like our friend. And I'd say yeah. it sounds like a weirdo here, but he—that's how we saw him as a child. Absolutely, a he Absolutely. had a very, a very likable persona that you just, you just naturally want him to, you know, succeed. And you're, you're, you're rooting yes. for him, and and you're in. Whereas Eric Stoltz, I guess. He was uh, no, very he intense. Had, <laughs> he, he has a stuck-up, snobby, please punch well, me in my nose face. <laughs> but the funny, okay, so here's yeah. how it happened, though. This, so the producers were like, C. Thomas Howell is our second choice, but Universal, Eric Stoltz just did a little movie. He just finished a movie called Mask, the true story of Rocky Dennis. If you've seen Mask with Eric Stoltz and Cher, it's one of the most, like as a kid, that was like one of the first movies where I just cried my eyes out. It was, it was so huge. moved it was by a it. Huge success, huge success. Yes, and he's amazing in it. He is absolutely amazing in that movie as Rocky Dennis. Under all that I makeup, agree. the performance. So I Universal agree. was like, "This kid's going to win an Oscar. We believe in him. He should be Marty McFly." So what happened was, they shot seventy-five percent of the movie, and Eric Stoltz. If you've ever seen anything he done, he's not a comedy guy. He was playing this like it was serious the entire time. And finally, Robert Zemeckis and the producer said, "This isn't working." But Matt, as luck would have it. By then, Meredith Baxter Burney was back from her pregnancy. They went back to the producers of Family Ties. They said, okay, now we can let him out to do this. But Michael J. Fox, for four months, by the way, this movie came out in July of 1985. They started reshooting this in January of 1985. And Michael J. Fox, for three months, would do Family Ties during the day, go home, sleep for two hours, have a driver pick him up. He'd go shoot Back to the Future at night and shoot it on the weekends. And he just basically didn't sleep for the better part of these three months to do both things back to back. But, you know, he probably wouldn't have been cast. It probably would have been C. Thomas Howell 
if it had, if the Eric Stoltz uh, do-over hadn't happened. Okay, so let's get into it real quick. So like yeah. the, his actual acting in it is night yeah. and day what sets it apart from other movies. So like the little things, the little nuances that we talk about in pro wrestling and how characters get over is not the moves themselves. It's the ish they do in between the moves, yeah. the mannerisms, their body language. Those are the things that get a character over, like The Rock and Stoke Cold right now as we speak LA night. Um, things like that, right? Same with the, with how he played Marty McFly with with simple, like the little nuances with every time he would, his mom, when he went back into time, would like rub his knee or try to hit on him and his like huge bug eyes he would have and his reaction to that being totally grossed out by it, but not able to tell right. her, P.S. I'm your son. Yeah. This is creepy. Um, all of his little nuances with his body language was super over with me. Just he's such a good actor. God, he was such a good actor. In three months, you're telling me, and multiple like just a few months he shot that in is even more impressive. Yeah. yeah. And and I guess there's still a couple of scenes in there where Eric Stoltz is is in it. That like like there's a scene where he's running from the terrorists. That's actually Eric Stoltz. So th there were a couple of scenes that are still in there where uh, and and the scene oh, where wow. Biff is. Uh, you know, talking to Marty, and I think one of the back shots uh, before Marty punched him. Yeah, was Eric you Stoltz. see Eric Stoltz's hand, I think, at one point. Um, right. It's crazy, but there's photos of footage online. I would show it, but I don't want to get a copyright strike. Um, but it's interesting because fans for years have been saying, like, will they ever release this? But every time there's a new Blu-ray version, they just put a little bit more out and a little bit more out. Because originally it was like one still photo we would see in a book mm -hmm. as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And now they have some some scenes from it. So it's one of the great, fascinating, like, what-ifs um of uh, i mean there was a joke about it in the new flash movie in the alternate reality that you know they say uh uh the guy has a as a back to the future tattoo of eric stoltz and he's like i thought that was michael j fox he's like michael j fox you mean the guy from flash dance no or no no from footloose the guy from footloose he's like no that's kevin bacon kevin bacon from top gun like they just go on and do this whole alternate reality ripple effect of what would have happened if eric stoltz would have been cast in back to the future um but i'm I want to talk. I want Roger. I want to talk about this. We talk about these stories about when we were kids. Um, like, what was your experience of seeing the original Back to the Future? I remember it, it was. It, I mean, it was the biggest thing. That movie was like number one for like four or five months, and I think it got knocked down for one week because Teen Wolf like became yeah. number one. I mean, you, you want to talk about a banner year? That's like as amazing of a year as an actor can have because you had the number one show with Family Ties or, or number so two. good. So good. so good, Teen Wolf too. I loved all of them. I'm just yes. gonna be honest. Yeah, and Back to the Future, and uh, having all that. So I saw it like a couple months after it was out. Really, uh, not knowing what to expect. And I, after that, I think that was the first, or after ET, that was the first movie I saw in the theater multiple times. I think I saw it like three, four times, and then because then it came out the Dollar Theater, so we, you know, saw yeah. it a couple more times then. But just fell in love with it. Loved it the first time. It's one of the few movies, like I showed it to my daughters. They had no interest in seeing it. They watched it, fell in love. They watch it all the time now. And uh, it, it's just, it's it, it, it's great. It's it's not dated in the 80s. Like there's some great 80s stuff in it, but it's something that people in this generation can watch and still get into, especially with the action and the adventure and, and how all the close calls that they have in all three of those movies. And I think it just keeps so you at the end of your seat. Just because like we're in our 40s does not mean like someone in their 20s doesn't wish they can go back yeah. or go forward in right. the future. It's like the most commonly wish. If you ask anybody what one wish in the world, what you wish you can do, everybody says go back in time and yeah. fix or correct or wrong, etc. So it's always going to carry to no uh, every demographic that wants to watch it. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Matt, do you remember when you first saw what this scenario was when you saw Back to the Future the first time? Again, with my family. Um, yeah. We would go with family night for movies at the Trumbull Mall um, in Connecticut, but their, their movie theater there, oh, me, my brother, and my mom and dad. Hmm. But uh, just, I don't, you know what's funny? I don't remember the commercials. Yeah, um, yeah. For some reason, I don't remember those. I don't remember commercials for any movies that I actually went to at an early age for some reason. Hmm. I don't know why. I, I mean, I remember some, we were talking last week about Nightmare on Elm Street, and I remember seeing that trailer a lot. But with Back to the Future, uh, so there were two epic things in my life um, when I saw I guess it would have been, I guess it would have been nine years old when it came out. So one, the first was, I went into that movie blind. I saw that probably the second night it was released. It was at the time the most packed theater I'd ever been in. Like, you know, normally I like to sit center, center, but I was like a little off to the side and I was bummed. I was like, why is this, like, it was a Tuesday night. I'm like, why was this so packed? Um... And not knowing anything about it, it was like, oh, my God. Like, it was just the sense of discovery. Nothing was spoiled for me. All I, all I knew was Michael J. Fox was in this movie. That's all I knew. Um, but secondly, and it's so weird now that I see people point this out that people didn't pick up on this. But I remember being nine years old and we get to the end of the movie and he runs up to the mall and you see that the sign has changed to Lone Pine Mall. And right. that was the first movie where I was like, holy shit, that's brilliant. Holy shit, I'm smart because I just figured that out. Like that was one of the most satisfying moments of my young life in that movie, which is why it's weird now that I'll see YouTube videos and Reddit posts that'll be like, did you know in Back to the Future that at the end, it's not Twin Pines Mall, it's Lone Pine Mall. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I figured that when I, was, when I was nine, everybody knows that. Like that's the most obvious Easter egg ever in a movie. But as a kid, like that blew my mind, man. Yeah, it, it was satisfying, like you said. Yeah. Sorry, no, no. Uh, I was saying it took me a couple times. I didn't get it the first time I saw it. It, it wasn't until like the second or third time. And there were a few different little Easter eggs like that mm -hmm. uh, that you just keep cat, you know, getting a, as it goes on. One more thing I wanted to say about Eric Stoltz before we yeah. like stop talking about him. But I guess apparently he, he was so uh, into this character that he wanted oh, to be called <laughs> Marty McFly on set. And he had all the actors and uh, the, the crew refer to him as Marty. Yeah, and then right before he was fired was when he did that scene uh, with Biff with Tom Wilson in the diner, and apparently uh, Eric Stoltz kept like being too aggressive, and so Tom Wilson was like, "All right, next time I'm going to give him a receipt, and, like yeah, rough him up a bit." But then he got recast. And was, in fact, like, he was so wow. method and wanted to be called Marty so much. When they went to Christopher Lloyd to play Doctor Emmett Brown, they were like, "So we think we need to fire Eric," and Christopher Lloyd said, "Who's Eric?" <laughs> He was like, "Wait, you mean that Marty kid? Like, if that's what we do. <laughs> what? A, but seriously, what a toolbox! Yeah, no, what a toolbox for taking it so serious. And, and, and like, and he's a great like actor. Everybody thinks the world of him back in the '80s, and that's great. But like, he could have ruined this movie for everybody forever. Yeah, yeah. forever. If playing it in serious, like, okay, Marty McFly was serious when he had to be serious. Yeah, right? but ultimately, he reacted just like any of us would have if we had to go back in time, like identically how I think I would have. Yeah. Well. The crazy and apparently, yeah. oh, no, apparently Eric Stoltz also said he saw the movie as a tragedy, like yeah, because the family comes back and you know, I mean, when he comes back to the future, the family's all rich, and so it's like I missed my whole childhood, like you know, you missed your whole life, and that's a tragedy. And so he he was kind of like kind of playing it that thank way. God, thank God he didn't get it. Well, so part of the reason Crispin Glover isn't in part two and part three, and they hired someone literally to put on prosthetics to look like Crispin Glover. Oh, wait, Matt didn't know this. That's amazing that Matt didn't know this. Um, uh, so 
part of the reason why his role got so reduced, they hired another actor. Um, Chris McGlover sued them and like won, and it changed uh, it changed uh, SAG law and rules. They like you can't hire an actor. You basically can't fool people into thinking somebody is in the movie. You have to be very clear because they tried reusing footage. They tried using prosthetics. They tried doing all these things to essentially trick the audience into thinking it was Crispin by showing him upside down. Um, but part they, of the they, reason- they did an amazing job with that too. That was another one. I didn't know for a while that Crispin Glover didn't have anything to do with that second one. I always assumed that was him and that, that. Mm-hmm. Came yeah. Um, but part of the reason he didn't get asked back, he was seen as difficult. He had a big issue with the ending of the movie. Yeah. Not that George McFly had confidence, not that, you know, the family turned out better, but his issue was that we're saying that money equals success or money equals success and fulfillment. And Chris McGover said, I don't like the message that when Marty changes the future, they come back and George is rich. Therefore, you assume the family is happy, which I thought was very interesting. Like that was his big knock on the movie. But uh, the I one mean, thing with that ending, though, yeah. when you really do think about it, that is kind of weird that. His whole life, he doesn't know what happened when he comes back. You know, he doesn't know uh, what his mom is doing or or how many books his dad wrote or, you know, it's a completely different life. And uh, yeah, so it's kind of, that is kind of wild when you think about it. He really doesn't know his whole life. Yeah, it's strange. And remember the the first movie, second movie and third movie in Marty McFly's life. This is all like a week or I guess two weeks in his life, roughly. Right. Yeah. Which is crazy. I didn't even think about that. I think you're, yeah, you're right. I got I got a couple of uh, the chats here. Yeah, real please. Quick. Uh, Stephen Camp noting noting that the original will always be the best. It it is, but I thought the uh, with part two, I have never seen a sequel tie in the first movie as well as part yeah. two did. Uh, Stellar Justin Lopez noting the first scene is so masterful. You learn everything you need, need you need to know about Doc from one tracking shot without one word of dialogue being spoken, uh-huh. which it is brilliant. Uh, Stephen Camp noting Teen Wolf 2 was a little cheesy for me. That Just was a little. Jason Bateman. <laughs> Just a little. And uh, Daniel Feldman noting that apparently the the Broadway adaptation is really good. That's what I've heard. I haven't seen, yeah. I haven't heard, seen it. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, currently on Broadway. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, Matt's breaking up there. Can you hear me or am I muted? Yeah, we got you now. What, what were we saying, Matt? Teen Wolf 2 with, with, uh, with uh, Bateman. I Jason. thought he did very yeah <laughs> sorry you broke up there a little matt but have i heard you but he i, I thought oh, he was good the movie itself was <laughs> um jason bateman when you think about it and i like jason bateman a lot and i love what he's done with the rest of development i love ozark uh, my favorite show of his will always be it's your move which we've talked about on the wrestling podcast uh, previously, but he kind of had a little bit of a career for the better part of the eighties being kind of like the B level younger Michael J. Fox, like a lot, like a lot of the roles he was cast in, it, it was very similar. Like that was sort of his shtick for a while, you know, which is funny because his real life younger sister was I know. Michael J. Fox's sister in family, family ties. ties. Yeah. Just or older sister. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, you know, younger sister or his older sister, Michael J. Fox is younger. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, but it is interesting to, to think about that. But, um, yeah, I think uh, so, Matt. It's funny. Part of the reason why I say it's it's you know perhaps for our generation the, the best movie of our generation. They for years, and this movie never really went away, right? Like it was always popular. But for years, when you go to film school and they're teaching you how to write a script, 
Back to the Future was the script they would use as an example of a perfect movie script where everything they tell you in the movie pays off later in the movie. Like the economy of plot, the details, what you see about Uncle Joey at the beginning, the dynamic you see between George and Biff, the way you see like, why is Lorraine like so depressed with how her life turned out and drinking so much? Like everything is really laid out for you to where it, it pays off later in the film. It's just so masterfully written. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have nothing to add to that. You're 100% yeah. right on that. Yeah, it is. It's like one of those movies you can't really cut anything out because everything well, ties into something else later. There's one thing that's weird. Okay. There's one, it's not a plot hole, but it's, it's the one thing that as you get older and you watch it more is, uh, I, I still think the scene when, uh, Biff, uh, uh, assaults Lorraine is, is still like oh. really heavy. But the part that as you get older is like, why in the fuck are they hanging out with Biff and having him over to watch the car <laughs> at the end of the movie when it's like, Hey, remember the time like in high school that you did this horrible thing to my wife, like come over and wax Be my car. Because they have to show him being neutered as a bully. I know. I and know, that know. bullies don't prosper and don't win, but you can't talk. Cause every time you talk, it cuts my microphone off. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, please. That, the it's the obvious ABC logic for younger kids to see the bully yes. never wins. He got his, but for sure. But yeah, I, I get your point, Glenn. Like you wouldn't want to invite that guy to come clean your cars at, you know. A... You would. Yeah, hang on. Yes, you would because he's, like I just re reiterated, he's been neutered. He, all of his bullyisms have been taken. He's seen his wrongs in life, if you will. And now because of all the wrongs he's committed, he's now only left with being able to wash people's cars, apparently. Um, to help satisfy a living. I mean, it answers a lot. I don't know. I thought I answered a lot of questions. Well, and which is kind of chilling at the beginning of part two when he's doing that and he drops the act and starts talking all gravelly and mean. Yeah. That was <laughs> yep. great. Yep. Uh, yeah. Another little piece of trivia. Do you know the, the original script, which actually they had a hard time selling. Like mm -hmm. Disney wouldn't take it because of the, the mother-son aspect with the mom having the, the crush on the son. So they actually turned it down. But it, it, originally, instead of the car, it was supposed to be in a fridge. Like he was supposed to, a fridge was supposed to uh, take him back in time or to the future. So that is uh, a genius move that they changed that to. A, a refrigerator? Yeah. yeah. What in the world would they even make them think of that? I know. <laughs> I mean, well, you guys remember this as kids. How many times did we see the PSA or the Punky Brewster episode or something where it was like, don't hide in a refrigerator? <laughs> That's probably why they changed it. <laughs> and also the ending was not supposed to be a bolt of lightning. It was supposed to be an atomic blast. Like they were yeah. supposed to do it out in Nevada or something. But they what do you mean? Wait, wait, an atomic blast from where? From what? Nuclear test site in, uh, I think, Ros uh, in uh, New Mexico or Nevada. And so, it, yeah. so in the story of Back to the Future, they were going to incorporate atomic blasts? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The original script is out there. It's a little bit of a mess. Also, there's the original script of part two and three, which were written together. In the original part two, um, they, he, they went to the future, but then they went back to the 60s. And it's this whole thing. It's not very, I mean, like I've read it. I'm like, no, this wasn't very good. Um, but, you know, if Crispin Glover had been available, Crispin Glover not being available is part of why they changed it uh, to what they did with George McFly being dead and the alternate 80s and Biff being, I mean, it's so funny. When I'm in downtown Vegas, the Plaza Hotel, 
in on Fremont Street was used as the the exterior for Biff's Pleasure Palace. So I think of that every time I'm downtown. But that whole thing was originally that was supposed to be a 1960s sequence um, that was supposed to take place instead, where uh, like George McFly was in jail. It was this whole thing for like a political protest. It was uh, they changed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a mess. And when you look at the original drafts, goes to show everybody if you're writing something or doing something, this is why you write and rewrite and you don't just publish your rough draft because uh, sometimes something terrible could turn into something quite good. Well, apparently the, the atomic blast was changed just because they didn't have the budget for it. Like it yeah. was going to be too expensive. They, they wanted to do that ending, but uh, yeah. And then also the very, very end where they, uh, where it said to be continued, that wasn't in the original, no, the original video. Movie. Um, you know, one of my favorite things was, and Matt, you can appreciate this being in Orlando or being near Orlando, is the Back to the Future ride at Universal. Yeah, it's actually a really good ride. Very really good. good. Is it still there? No, it's yeah. the Simpsons right now. Well, when, when, when like I was a kid, that was a very big, uh, similar to Space Mountain, as far as like your checklist of rides you have to go on when you're a little kid. I, I don't know if you've been, Matt, but have you been to Disney World lately? Oh, you mean Matt? <clears throat> Not in the last five years, I would say. So we rode the Guardians ride there, and that is the it is um, it's Space Mountain on steroids. It is the coolest ride I think I've ever ridden. It's what's it called? The Guardians. It's Guardian? called the Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like a, it's a roller coaster. It's like Space Mountain in that you're in the dark, except. You're in like a giant screen. It's almost like Sphere in Las Vegas. And, you know, you got the bad guy coming at you. It's really cool. More importantly, is there a rumor attached to said ride that a photographer stood up in the middle of the ride to take a photo because it was all dark in there with his flash on and got decapitated? <laughs> Wait, have you guys ever written Space Mountain with the lights on? I've seen no. it. No. It is terrifying. I've done it they, before. They allow you? I did it one time when I was in there. Uh, I was no. in, it was like an early morning at Disney. It is no, terrifying. It's never on. What do you wait? What the lights were on when I was in there one morning. There's parts of it, but not the whole ride. I don't know, right? dude. Like when you realize how close you are to those beams, like like yeah. I mean, to your point, if you stood up in that, like you would die. So that was what terrified me about the ride was because there was a rumor amongst every and I lived in Connecticut. Keep in mind, nowhere yeah. near Florida, where everybody at Reese was like, oh my god. Do whatever you do. Don't stand up. You're going Space Mountain. You'll get decapitated. <laughs> I mean, there's 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 video. There's video of it online with the lights on. So it's, yeah. it's had the lights on before. It's not it's on completely impossible. Yeah. Did you ever hear that rumor when you were a kid that Alfonso Ribeiro died doing a head spin because he broke his neck? Who? Alfonso Who? Ribeiro. He no. was uh, Carlton in Fresh Prince. No, and because Silver... he was on the TV series in front of us every week. No. Until he showed up on Fresh Prince because he was in the Michael Jackson Pepsi commercial. And there was a rumor that he had died while they were oh, doing that commercial, no. doing the head spin. Heard that for years, and it wasn't until Fresh Prince of Bel-Air came out. And But I had stopped breakdancing because of that rumor. <laughs> Think of the career. Yeah. You took your you took your cardboard box out of your garage and your driveway yeah. and said no more? You burned that it? That was it, yeah. The way the Raj Geary, and... Raj Geary could be going to the Summer Olympics next year, where breakdancing will be an Olympic sport. If only he hadn't heard the rumor that Alfonso Rivera died doing a head spin and gave so, up his career. Wait a minute, is that really you're joking, right? That's not going to be a sport in Olympics. No, it's going to be an Olympic sport next year. Is it really? breakdancing? Yeah, breakdancing. Oh. Yes, absolutely. I mean, they brought in why not ballroom dancing? I don't know, man. 
2024 Olympic sport breaking is going to be a brand new sport starting Boy, next year. Dang. I'll be watching it, dude. Okay, well, it's if you think about it, Matt, it really is. It's um, got a lot in common with gymnastics. So let me be clear. I bought the King Tut, and I forget the other guys' names. Like, remember back when you were in grammar school, you go to the, like the library—not the library. What do you call it? The book fair, and you have to buy a book. Your parents will make you buy a book, and they give you money to buy a book, and you don't want to buy a book. Well, I bought King Tut, and I forget the other guy's name on how to break dance, and had the cardboard box in the garage and doing all these type of moves and trying to and failing terribly at it. But my brother was very good at it, not me. <laughs> I remember the exact book you're talking about. It had like a fold out poster with the moves and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It was a big thing. Uh, no, I mean, breakdancing, if you look at gymnastic floor routines that people do with the flips and the twist, I mean, breaking has a lot of elements of that. I mean, look, they're trying to get more people to watch the Olympics. That's why they included skateboarding. Although when I saw skateboarding in the Olympics, I was like, this is actually boring. Like, cause a lot so of these... do, you, do we think people in other countries are going to be breakdancing? I mean, hey, here's your chance. If somebody wants a cool runnings like journey to the Olympics, get it on go. the ground floor. You know, I think yeah. pick, pick your country, go immigrate there, and uh, be on their <laughs> breakdance team for Paris 24. You know, have you get seen that that thriller video in like a Manila prison where everyone in the prison is doing the thriller dance? Which is, it's just if you haven't seen it, look it up. It is amazing. So <laughs> I think they, they've got breakdancing in other countries. Huh. Yeah, um, I don't know. But uh, I was going to say, speaking of uh, Universal, though, my one of my greatest regrets of the last 15 years is that we went to Orlando. We went to Disney World for our honeymoon. Um, we went a few places uh, or we went there a few times uh, on our anniversaries and we didn't go to Universal when the Jaws ride was open. And I'm right. so pissed that I missed the Jaws ride at Universal. Jaws being one of my favorite movies of all time, because I've, I've watched the YouTube video of that forever but they tore that down to make way for the second harry potter ride uh but it was so cool just have like the shark attacking you in a boat and stuff was it 3d well no it was actually a shark raj oh. like this wasn't a screen ah. like you went through this like really large lagoon and the shark kept attacking you Jeez, yeah that's pretty awesome yeah, like people, I like I probably would have been terrified of it as a kid. But it's not like uh, when at the Universal Backlot tour and you just drive by and the shark like lunges at your tram. Like this was you had there were multiple encounters. Um, but you know, uh, going back, you know, with Michael J. Fox in this movie, I I was always kind of surprised that movie wise, it kind of ended there like that year. He didn't really have a, a big hit. Secret of My Success. Secret did of My all Success right. was huge. Was it huge? I thought it did okay. Mm. It did well for the time, but back then, I mean, yeah. remember, guys, remember when we were kids and it was rare that a movie made a hundred million dollars? Like, mm -hmm. Secret of My Success, I think it was in the top ten for eighty-seven or eighty-eight. Let's see. Let's see here. Yeah, but that movie, he's basically playing Alex P. Keaton. Right. Let me um, ask you guys a question in our chat room. Is anybody asking any questions about this movie at the moment? Yeah, here, let's uh, let's throw a couple more up. Uh, Justin Toner bringing up that he loved the Back to the Future ride. Got to go on it in the 90s when I was at Universal Studios. Man, I'm so bummed I missed that. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Camps asking a question for you guys. What age did you find out movies had Easter eggs? Hmm. It might have, I mean, the Lone, Palm, Lone Pine Mall thing was the first time I remember something where, you, like, you if you paid attention, you figured it out, and it wasn't mm -hmm. mentioned. Yeah. That was probably my, my first experience with that. 
Stellar Justin Lopez wondering. I always wondered how Lone Pine Marty's life compared to Twin Pines Marty. Yeah, had the had the same girlfriend. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, that's interesting. There was almost a Secret of My Success musical that, like, COVID literally shut down, and it oh, didn't wow. happen. Um, so, sixty-seven million it made in the U.S. and Canada worldwide, one hundred and ten. So, seventh gro highest-grossing film of nineteen eighty-seven in the U.S. Secret right. of My Success. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that was kind of the last one, right? And then he had supporting roles. He was in the American President in a supporting role. Frighteners was um, great, but that didn't do well. No, it didn't. Um, Casualties of War. I heard he was really good in it, but it didn't really do well. So it just kind of it was kind of like Ralph Macchio had like super hot years and then just kind of faded away to where he's doing you know uh, small roles in My Cousin Vinny. You know what? Um... The best of those later Michael J. Fox movies is, and I forget the wrestlers that are in it, um, but I know there's a wrestling. Life, life, life with Mikey. Mikey. Life with Mikey is phenomenal. Like, it's not as good as his 80s movies, but mm. I think Michael J. Fox is so good in that, playing a former child star. Um, mm. Like, th that movie is so underrated. It's on Disney Plus, I believe. Wasn't the team in that movie the LA Knights? Like, you they know were what? the basketball team? Yeah, it might have been. That's funny. <laughs> Um, um, I remember Cindy Lauper plays his assistant in that film. Uh, David Crumholtz is like the spoiled child actor. Like that is that is a fun movie. Yeah, it's like uh, Jerry Lawler, I think, is in it, and That's Jeff right. Jarrett. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, he had a lot of attempts uh, at doing some, you know, other movies, and they finally went back to TV with Spin City, and it, which was a big hit. Yeah. Justin Toner bringing up, I like Fox in the Hard Way with James Woods. I actually really like that movie too. That's kind of underrated. Yeah. Uh, Matt's frozen. His internet should hopefully come back in a minute. But um, did you watch the Michael J. Fox documentary on Apple TV that came out earlier this year? No, I need to see that. It's good. Um, I think that, you know, obviously what he's gone through with Parkinson's and seeing his struggles there is it's very heartbreaking. Um, but it's, it's very interesting how they incorporate footage from his movies behind the scenes footage and then footage with the local like to try and string together retellings of things that happened. Yeah. Um, it's, it's an interesting documentary. I think that the story is compelling and I've read a few of his books, but it's, it's a good watch. It's yeah. definitely a good watch. And I'll it definitely talks that. about his struggles and what he was dealing with behind the scenes, even before Parkinson's. Yeah. I need to resubscribe to Apple TV because I still haven't seen the last season of uh, Ted Lasso. So need to don't you get it like a year free with every time you buy an Apple device? I don't feel like. Yeah, my year came up. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, I'm, on, I'm on the iPhone upgrade plan. So, you know, I just feel like yeah. I keep getting Apple TV. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was a good documentary. We just watched that a couple weeks ago. Was, okay. uh, yeah, I'll check that did out. you get a chance to watch Totally Killer on Prime Video yet? Not yet. Not yet. We've been yeah. pretty busy. We've been. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'll have to check that out. So for people that don't know, and everyone I've recommended this movie to has really liked it so far. It is a slasher film with a time travel element. And what's funny is when the girl protagonist goes back in time and tries to explain what's happening, she keeps saying, you know, like back to the future. <laughs> like That's literally how she's trying to explain the movie. Uh, but it, she goes back to 1987. It's a lot of good humor about how things are, were different then versus now. Um, and, it's, and it's a slasher film. So it's perfect for Halloween. It's called Totally Killer. It's on Prime Video. Um, highly recommended. Probably my favorite thing that I've watched lately. What else? What else have you been checking out lately? What else is good? Well, you know, I saw the original Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street That's when right. we were doing our podcast. I watched um, 
What's that movie with Jennifer Lawrence where she's Oh, No Hard Feelings. No Hard Feelings. We just watched that uh the other night and that that was better than I expected. I that thought. was a lot like an 80s comedy. Yeah, totally. It, it it had that old school vibe to it where um you know, a, a little raunchy but you know, just something you could completely turn your brain off and and it was pretty funny. So that one was pretty good. I've tried to figure this out. I've tried to figure this out, Raj. I don't know if you think very much about the type of movies you like and Mm -hmm. what you like about them, but you know, movies like Back to the Future, I love movies like Just One of the Guys um, or Tootsie. Um, And I started thinking about this because a time travel movie and a movie like No Hard Feelings, these are all movies essentially about somebody pretending to be someone they're not. Because even if you're traveling through time, you're pretending to be someone you're not. Right. Um, I think I love movies where people experience life from a new perspective and they all kind of end the same. They all kind of end the same where it was like, yes, I was lying to you and I was deceiving you, but I genuinely have feelings for you or I genuinely care about you. Like the, all these movies have that in common, right? Where there's deception, dece- like well-meaning deception is yeah. like, and it's weird to figure out like that's my favorite genre of movie. Like I will watch any movie, even Soul Man. I will watch any movie where someone is pretending to be someone else, and then they start for the wrong reasons, and maybe you know, uh, end doing it for the right reasons. Like yeah. I love that, and I don't know why, but that is my favorite genre of film. Yeah, I got, I got a question for you. Where does Back to the Future Two rank in your sequels? Like as far as great sequels go, it would be like top ten. Top five. I think it's top 10, but it's really the second two-thirds of the movie that are carrying that. Like, that the is... first third? I don't need to watch the first third of Back to the really? Future. Really? When like, they're in the, in the future? It's fine. It's silly. The, the back, here's the thing about the Back to the Future movies. With the exception of the first third of Back to the Future 2, that is not a silly trilogy. They do everything. There's winks, nods, and little jokes. Mm-hmm. But I, I think some of that future stuff... I don't, I, let me put it this way. I don't think the 2015 stuff has aged well. And it's mm-hmm. just aged worse now that we're actually past 2015. But the the shoes, the hoverboards, the shoes are cool. hoverboards cool. Yeah. I get it. I understand Flying it. Cars, they're, they're you know starting to make is? those. Okay, you know what it is. Let me tell you what it is. It's the scene when they're at Marty's house, and yeah. all the stuff with the video screen and needles and the two ties and the rehydrated pizza. Like <laughs> that's the part I could skip. <laughs> that's that's my issue with it. But okay. to seller Justin Lopez's point um godfather 2 phenomenal terminator 2 probably the terminator 2 is probably the greatest sequel ever made yeah lethal weapon 2 i, I put up there it's i good. think lethal weapon 2 is better than the original yeah i mean they're, there are, they're good there aren't many but back to the future 3 i mean look there ain't that many part threes of movies back to the future 3 is perhaps you know top five of the part threes yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Too much Doc, Doc and too much his doc. romance. Too much of him and his romance for for my taste. That like, like that. all their scenes just bored the hell out of me. The part that gets me pumped, honestly, and I remember at the end of part two, because I remember the end of part two, I was like, I need to digest this. But when they show the scene where they're posing in front of the clock tower, like as a kid, mm-hmm. like misty eyed, I was like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I was so stoked for that. Um, but I like part three a lot. I think part three, mm-hmm. it, it's it, but it's weird when ZZ Top shows up. Like that's the one part, <laughs> part three where I'm like, why is Easy Top in this movie? Yeah. Um, but no, and, and the end of part three. Look, okay, let, let's be real about this. Again, Back to the Future one, perfect movie. But let's talk about the biggest flaw in Back to the Future two and three. Marty and the goddamn chicken thing. It makes no <laughs> sense. It is the most shoehorned in, and I say this with love to uh, 
Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis. That is the most shoehorned in character plot point to give Marty a little arc from part two to part three. And it makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, I think they were trying to teach a little lesson and how, uh, <laughs> you know, that, uh, that changed his life forever. Uh, so yeah, I think they needed something where Marty grew from the whole experience. And, but there and was so, no sign of that in part one. There was right. no hint of that in part one. Right. But were people calling people chicken back in the, the 50s? Oh, well, okay. Let me point this out. And this just occurred to me. Internet, let me blow your mind with this Back to the Future plot hole I just figured out. If Marty had this trigger that someone could call him chicken or yellow and he would do something to prove them wrong. In part one, why is Jennifer talking to him about sending in his demo to the record company and Marty won't do it? Why doesn't Jennifer say, what's the matter? Are you scared? Are you chicken? If that's the big character-defining flaw Marty McFly has, that's the biggest plot hole in the entire movie. Matt, we're talking about this Marty and the don't call me chicken thing in part two and part three. I felt like that was very forced. <laughs> you thought it was what? Forced. Stupid? Yeah, it was forced. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I really didn't care about it, honestly, when I would go back and watch it again. But, uh, yeah, look, especially nowadays, like, when you go back and watch it. But back then, like, don't you remember being like, hey, what are you, chicken, bok, bok? And, you, like, you'd make fun of your friend or whoever in the playground doing it. Like, as corny as that may sound to kids today, like, that was a big rank out back in the day. Yeah, okay. but the standard response, though, Matt, into the 80s would have been like, come on, guys, like, stop it. Like, I'm not chicken, okay? I just, my mom just said I can't do it, and I have to respect that. She's going to grab me and take away my teeth. So you you mean to tell me you won't fly off the handle because someone called you chicken? <laughs> no? <laughs> so, Matt, uh, yeah. oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, go, for go for it. Go for it. Uh, one thing you missed, we, we were talking about uh, the, the best no, uh, part twos of all time, and uh, – we were saying uh, Justin Lopez had mentioned Dark Knight, Godfather 2, Terminator 2. I threw Lethal Weapon 2 in there. But I think Back to the Future 2 makes my top 10. Uh, what what kind of makes your list? Number one, number two, uh, second movie in a series. Honestly, not yeah. saying a lot because I loved Rocky 2. Yeah. Yeah, or Creed 2. Um, I, still put back, I still put Back to the... Back to the Future 2 ahead of that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, Creed 2 was good. Rocky 2 is good. Rocky 2 is a very long movie. Mm -hmm. Okay, so listen. The reason why I like Back to the Future 2 so much is because, again, he gets to go into the future. Like, that's everybody's wish. Along, It's, it's either going back in time or going forward in time and being able to come back to your normal life in between. Like, that's the, I don't know, the end-all, be-all, I think, for a lot of young kids and their imaginations. Do you think there's a better setting than the old West that they could have chose for part three to go back in time to? So when I first saw it, I wasn't a fan of the Western setting. I'll admit that. Yeah. But as I got older, it did grow a hell of a lot on me. Mm -hmm. It did. What about you, Glenn? I mean, the problem is that where were they going to go back to like prohibition and their like in Biff's ancestors, actually, that, I think that's in the video game where like Biff's ancestors, like Al Capone, like, <laughs> like it all would have. I mean, it, it's tough, right? I mean, what were they going to ancient Rome? Like, I don't know. What were they going to do? You know, uh, 
I don't know. The, the Western setting, I don't know. I, I, it just didn't, didn't work for me. Hmm. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't bad. I, I still think I, I really like part three, but I didn't think it was anywhere near the first two. Yeah. Um, but I enjoy it though. And I'm glad that we never, allegedly, we're never getting another sequel. We're never getting another reboot, or we're never getting a reboot. Like we got the series, we got the ride, and there was that cartoon that lived uh, for two seasons on CBS in the early '90s. And there have been some comic books. Yeah, even this man. Let me tell you, they did this comic book uh, for the 30th anniversary of Back to the Future Day. They did this in 2015, and the comic book at first was it's written by Bob Gale, who co-wrote the movies. And it was like, oh, we're going to find out how Marty and Doc met. Oh, we're going to find out what happened with Uncle Joey. Like the comic was really cool for like four issues, and then it was just like, this is just masturbatory at this point like we don't this is all just completely made up shit that doesn't feel like the movies at all and is it interesting you know so doc sells it though like going back to uh, a series to the part two rather like he sold it from the first one when they come back at the end of the movie he comes back and he completely sells everybody in that theater too you have to come back and watch the second one yeah when that was supposed to be a joke, I mean, they literally did that first ending not intending to make a sequel. They were like, this is just a funny way to end the movie. Yeah. You know, they've done... To, of course. Yeah. yeah. I, say, Josh? When, I, when they say they'll never do a reboot, I'm, I'm so glad. But they've been doing such a good job lately, of like with Top Gun, with Maverick, and then with uh, Karate Kid, with Cobra Kai. And taking but, what do they all have in com- but what do they all have in common? What are they, who are they? The successful ones, who are they using? Who's that? The the common denominators are using the original characters right, to yeah, shoot yeah, the reboot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not First, all reboots do that. Most of them, in fact, don't. That's why they suck. Right. Versus the reboots that are smart enough to use the Tom Cruise and Top Gun, Maverick, Rocky, um, Larusso, Creed, all of them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you can't really do that with Doc and and Marty now. I mean, look, Christopher Lloyd. God bless him. We've learned that he 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 wants to work. Like he's done Doc and a lot of Doc S stuff, stuff, but it's like Michael J. Fox will never do that. I mean, he's not uh, because of his Parkinson's. He's not capable of carrying a lead role. He does cameos now and again in things, but I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's it's good that we haven't had that. Um, and I, I'm, not the, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, did you see uh, Michael J. Fox's cameo when he was on Curb Your Enthusiasm? Yeah, that was a good. Seasons he was ago, he was hilarious. Yeah, he's still funny. No. Um, but I, you know, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, this movie's sacred, we can't reboot it. But Back to the Future is like one of the few, and I like when movies reference it. I like the mm-hmm. genre. It's fun. I even, I mean, in Avengers Endgame, when they go back in time, they even reference like, so this time travel thing, and they're like, no, it doesn't quite work like Back to the Future. Like, I like <laughs> that. That's become how people understand time travel. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's one of the you know, say it again. One of the greatest movies ever made, uh, especially if you take out dramas, you know, because I think a lot of times when people think of great movies, they think of, you know, dramas, your your Schindler's List and, and things like that. But this is, you know, for just a fun popcorn, entertaining movie, I think it's it's the best. Yeah. Um, and there's not many movies that I'll be like, don't reboot. I would our sequel. I would love a good Jaws sequel. In my lifetime, mm-hmm. I would love a serious Jaws sequel. That would make me very happy. Yeah. Hey guys, so it's it's now fifty one minutes into our show. Can, yes. can can we go over some other things I wanted to talk about? If that's okay. Please. Absolutely. 
I mean, you've ad nauseum probably at this point, if you guys go back in time, um, Raj, me and Glenn are always uh, talking up Eli Drake. Um, you can see my fat finger on the screen, not being cut off. Um, and, and his potential. And why is this guy not a main event talent? Not Forget being signed with WWE. Why is this guy not a main event caliber talent with WWE? And I've been watching each week and watching his rise, and I still feel it, as amazing as he's doing with it. He's knocking it out of the park. He is. He's in a ring with Cena and Roman Reigns just recently, and I still felt he looked like the star, which is saying a lot because usually – I'll, I'll be honest. When when I see Cody in that scenario, no disrespect to him, I still think Roman's a bigger star than Cody. I still feel John Cena is a bigger star than Cody. Mm-hmm. When I see uh, uh, L.A. Knight out there, and, and especially when he starts talking, <coughs> everything about him screams main event star, and, and he belongs with them. If not, I'm going to be honest, supersedes him even with. That 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 vibe he gives off that he's a huge big bigger star. Not he's a bigger star than them, but he comes across as big, if not bigger. And that's just the uh, an unwritten like tangible that you either have or you don't. And we've not, in my opinion, we've not seen the likes of somebody like that that gives off the aura that they are that big of a, a huge star um, than he does because we've seen huge monsters, physical mo- physical just marvels, physically bodybuilders. Giant, seven feet tall, but also jacked. We've never seen them be able to put the whole package together with being on the microphone added into that equation, right? And and so when I see him do that, I'm just blown away um, and happy that he's finally arrived. I still think they waited too long. I do. Um, they took a sweet-ass time on doing and bringing him where he should be at this point, um, which was frustrating to watch, if you guys remember. But um, I'm happy to see him there now. And I'm disappointed in a little bit of a way because he's not, they're not going to have him beat Roman. The only one that's going to beat Roman coming up is going to be Cody. Yeah, but uh, do they have him beat Seth at WrestleMania? Like, does this still lead to, it's kind of crazy when you think about uh, just a little over a year ago, he was Max Dupree, you know, like to go from a manager and almost fired, like he thought he was getting fired to where he is now. And and to your point, when he's in there with Cena and Roman, he has this poise and he just carries himself uh, in a way that he just he doesn't come across as any less than any of those guys. He, like you said, he comes he has this main event poise and, and everything that he just feels like a huge star when he's out there. Uh, the fact that they didn't have him on WrestleMania still is almost unforgivable to me. Yes, he, it is he was getting super over way before that. Yes, you're 100 percent right. And I also just. Like, even the line that delivered Roman Reigns, like, you know, he just pissed your pants. Like, he says it with so much base and authority in his voice. Mm-hmm. Whereas, if you gave that to somebody else, granted, he made that up. They did not write that for him, let's be honest. Um, but let's say a writer did write that for a character to say they would not deliver it with the same mannerisms and the same base in their voice and believability that he does. He believes he's a bigger star. I've worked with him. He thinks he is a big star because he is. I'm not saying, saying he's arrogant. He's right. He is. He absolutely is. Yeah. He yeah, doesn't gotta believe he, it. He doesn't let anyone try to humble him. He's like, I'm the shit and I'm gonna show it. Yep. No matter who you throw me in here with, Roman's been off for a month and a half. Great. I can't wait to rip him apart. Like right. and he did, whereas most people would would shrink in that moment with John Cena and Roman in the same ring, both having opportunity to speak on the mic and cut him off at any point. 
but they didn't like what he was saying, right? And uh, they couldn't. In fact, John Cena looked like his biggest boy cheerleader, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. It, you know what I mean? I was like, wow, so Cena's come and gone now. He's a little... He's a little bit past the time now. Oh my God, we're old. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. He looked like a cornball doing that. I love John. He looked like a cornball doing that. But it made, in my opinion, uh, him look even bigger as a star. Yeah, like he was and the he, cool. One. He was the cool one in the ring, mm-hmm. and, and and John no longer was. And you saw it earlier this year when he did that thing with Undertaker when they did that little un- thing with Undertaker and Bray Wyatt. But La Knight right in his face, not acting scared or anything. He's acting like he belonged. And Raj, to your point, they weren't even going to do anything with him at that point. Remember, they, they did not right. really start that push yet. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and and he's still, you're absolutely right, he stood out in that segment with Undertaker. Right. One thing I want to get your thoughts on, Matt, and Raj, remember this time because this will make a good clip. Matt, what do you think about impacts going back to the TNA branding? Oh my God! How did I not say that's a subject I wanted to talk about? I should have said that as a subject as I wanted to talk about. Um, I think that's awesome. I think it's about time. I think everybody will always associate Impact like oh Impact Wrestling. They always say TNA. Like all of my stuff, when people make up my own bios, I don't even get to do it myself on my Wikipedia page. Some rando gets to just create whatever they want to create and write whatever they write on any of our Wikipedia pages. By the way, um, so that's why people can't trust Wikipedia. With that said. They will always not refer to it as impact. They always refer to it as TNA, um, and I, I do think that's smart that they went back to that. And for those like, oh my God, what a disgusting, what a disgusting uh, acronym, TNA. <laughs> Get it? Yeah. The only person that gets that is like, what, nineteen ninety nine, two thousand. I'll give you. I'll give him credit. Two thousand and one, Vince Russo. <laughs> Get it? TNA. N- nobody cares. Nobody thinks that way. Um, total nonstop action and they made a big enough splash in my opinion of being able to build that brand as such as tna wrestling yeah i think it'll be exciting it'll be exciting they're going to do their first pay-per-view under that branding again in january in vegas yeah who was just inducted in the hall of fame i saw tracy brooks and i saw Tanay and uh don, don west, west. Yeah. was there anybody else yep that was it fans don't be scared to start sending scott the more petitions of your boy here. <laughs> We're putting yeah, non-champions sad, right? in there. They're not putting non-champions in there. Hook your boy up. Come on. There you <laughs> go. Jackson agrees. Well, there you go. Well, I think that'll do it for this week. I got to run. I got to watch Halloween Havoc so I can podcast about that later on Wrestling Inc. Um, everybody, do us a favor. Like, share, subscribe. Subscribe right. on YouTube, please. Follow Matt BP, Matt Morgan, Rogers at the Raj Geary, and Matt Glenn Rubenstein. Matt, I'll give you the final word. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. (laughs) That'll do it. Catch you back next time on Gigantic Pop. Take care. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.